So talking about comfort, let me ask you this question. Do you live a comfortable life? Now, I suppose our answers will vary depending on what you consider to be comfortable. It might depend on what your living circumstances are or your job situation. If you have a good job or a bad job or no job, it might depend on your finances or your health or relationships or maybe just some of those creature comforts that we like to have, you know, the big screen TV and the lush a reclining chair, whatever it might be. So all of us are going to have to answer that question based on what we consider to be comfortable. But today I want to give you the assurance that we all have a life of comfort. No matter how you describe it according to those other conditions, you do have a life of comfort. We're continuing with our series of messages entitled Real People, real life, and our real God. Today we want to look at a real person, Noah. Now, I heard that there's a movie coming out at the end of March in the theaters called Noah. It's about Noah from the Bible. Uh, I've heard there's been some people upset about it because they're getting the indications that there's a lot of stuff put in there that isn't in the Bible. Well, what do you expect from Hollywood? So let's take a look at what the Bible says about Noah and and then learn this, that we have a life of comfort. Now you might be thinking, well, sure, compared to Noah's life, I mean, he was on that big boat, he had to build that big boat, and then that whole storm and flood that destroyed the world, yeah, my life is pretty comfortable compared to him. But I'm not talking about the contrast in our life, I'm talking about the fact we have the same life and the same comfort. Yeah, Noah had it rough. I mean, he had to build this big boat that he's never built before. And he had to endure ridicule, perhaps, from the people. And it took a long time to build that boat. And and finally that day came when the sky became dark and the drops starting to fall. And he knew what was coming. You can't tell me that that was a comfortable life, can you? Oh, yeah. Noah was a man of comfort. And we know that from the very beginning of his life, because when he was born, here's what his dad, Lamech, said, and it's recorded in Scripture. Lamech said, I'll name him Noah, because he will give us comfort as we struggle hard to make a living on this land that the Lord has put under a curse. Lamech looked at that little boy and saw comfort. And so he named him Noah, which sounds like the Hebrew word for comfort, because he believed that Noah would bring comfort. How did he know that? What did he experience? Noah indeed had comfort. Let's take a look at the comfort he had and the comfort he gave and see it's the comfort we too have. First of all, comfort comes from knowing God's desire for us. And that desire is that we do have comfort. Now, comfort is something we want when we're uncomfortable. Comfort is something we want that we want when things are tough. 
when we're not feeling good or we're upset or afraid or have doubts. Lamech experienced that, right? He said, this land we're living in has been cursed and we're struggling to make a living. But here's this boy. He will bring us comfort. I don't think it was that he saw, all right, here's an extra set of hands around the house. If you've raised kids, they're not an extra set of hands to help, right? So I don't think that's what he was looking at. Yet he knew from God would come some comfort through Noah. He knew they were struggling to make a living because the land was cursed by God. Why was it cursed? Well, it goes back to the very beginning of the Scriptures. When man sinned, God cursed the land. Sin ruined God's perfect creation. And that's the evidence of it. But as Lamech looked around, and as Noah would see all around him, it wasn't just the land that was bad. The people were bad too. In fact, it was getting worse and worse. Listen to what the scriptures say. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Looking around, everything was was going bad. It was just getting worse. Morals were decaying. People were rebelling and just rejecting God. Look around our world, huh? A little similar? And look what God said he would do because of that. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Lamech and Noah understood God's judgment. It was not just the ground and the hard living that caused them discomfort. It was this judgment of God against sin. But yet they knew what God's desire was, that his desire was to bring comfort to them. Noah was convinced of that. And that's why, by faith, he took on that big building project of an ark. Now, I I referred to um, this movie coming out next month. Well, last year there was a a TV miniseries called The Bible, and it lasted like for six weeks, uh, two hours every night, and they reviewed some of the key accounts that are in the Scriptures. Uh, By the way, there's another movie coming out in the theaters in a few weeks called The Son of God, and it's all about Jesus. It's those two-hour segments that were from that TV series uh, that deal with Jesus. Now they put it in the theaters. Uh, Not a real accurate account of Jesus, but you can get some good stuff from it. Anyway, that particular Bible series, movie uh, series, started out this way. I thought it would start out with, you know, showing God creating everything, and it didn't. It started with Noah. And I thought, what are they doing? Skipping all those opening parts of the Bible to talk about God's creation? No, 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 no. The writer was really creative. 
as Noah and his family are on this ark and things are getting very stormy and rocky, they have Noah recounting the creation account from the scripture and encouraging his family that God's in charge and God is watching over them. I thought that was pretty good. And I'm sure that that's what Noah, who didn't have the rest of the Bible, was telling his family during that time of trouble. God is our comfort. He's going to help us with it. But there's even more comfort that Noah would have understood as well. Listen to what the Lord went on then to say. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Now that's a lot of patience, right? Let me ask you parents. How many of you parents have said to your kid, clean up your room, I'm going to give you 120 years to do it. God gave the world 120 years to come back to him. That's patience. In fact, that word contend, it sounds like God is throwing up his arms and saying, that's it, I've had it. But the word contends mean he was struggling. He was wrestling with mankind. He wasn't going to let go because he loved them and wanted them to come back to him. And Noah knew that and saw it for 120 years. God's desire is to comfort and to save. I'm sure Noah was quite upset as he saw his community decaying all around him, people rejecting God, rebelling. But Noah probably felt a little uncomfortable in his own skin, too, because it just wasn't what he saw out there. He knew that that same stuff was in him. But Noah found comfort in God, despite his own sinful, rebellious heart. It says, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, it didn't mean that Noah was looking for it, and that he did something to find it and say, Ha, I did something, now God loves me. That phrase, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, was simply the Hebrew's way of saying, God made a determination. God made a decision. God made a declaration. Noah has my favor, has my grace. In the eyes of the Lord, Noah was okay. Why? Because Noah lived such a good life, better than everybody else? No, because Noah had God's favor, his grace. Everybody else had rejected it. And because of that, they would face God's judgment. But Noah had God's grace and would be saved. Peter, thousands of years later, tells us about the flood story and Noah. He writes, God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. You see, God's desire is to save us. As we look around our world, we see how it is decaying, perhaps much like the society in Noah's day. It's filled with evil, a rejection of God, and only a love for self. But we have to recognize that it's just not out there. It's inside of us, too. God has seen the sin of this world, 
and he is still indignant with rage about it. Don't think that God just, uh, excuse me, that's the way they are, you know, we're going to deal with it. Peter tells us this. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, word of judgment, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Don't be misled. God will judge the sinful and those who have rejected him. Yet, Peter goes on. You have to listen to this. But, but, don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is being patient with our world just like he was patient with Noah's world. And that patience is there because of his grace. God will judge this world. He has given us the warning and he's given us signs. The natural disasters, disease, and death They're the result of sin and their warnings that a judgment is coming. Like Noah, we aren't perfect. But we too have found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God has looked at us, has seen his grace, and has declared us to be his children and desires to save us. Despite what we see going on around in the world, We can be sure of this. We live under God's grace. His grace surrounds us every day, and that is our comfort. So what troubles are you facing these days? Is it a bit unsettling? Some uncertainty, some fears? Despite what you see happening around you or maybe in your own life, be confident of this. You're standing on God's grace, unshakable, and his arms of grace are enfolding you to care for you and save you. Knowing that, we can find comfort then in this, like Noah, to follow God's direction. Out of faith-born obedience, that's what Noah was doing. When, when we look at Noah's life, we see such a stark contrast from everything that was going on around him. Noah, it says, was a righteous man. He was blameless among the people of his time. Now, it doesn't say sinless. It says blameless. He lived in such a way that sin was not openly practiced, nor was it boasted about. He was blameless in the eyes of others. He was righteous. That was faith-born obedience. He walked faithfully with God. In fact, Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. <laughs> with his life and with his lips, he was telling people what's God, what God's will is. One Bible translation put it, he was a preacher of the truth, telling people to repent, to turn back, to come to God. 
the writer in the book of Hebrews tells us, by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By doing that, he was condemning the world and he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. It must have been uh, pretty challenging to take on that building project, right? I mean, how many of you have built an ark? <laughs> you couldn't Google it to find out the plans. Think of the ridicule he must have faced. Look at that crazy Noah. There he is going to Home Depot again to get another load of lumber. Or people getting upset with him. All these animals coming through the neighborhood. Doesn't he know what the city zoning codes say? <laughs> but by faith, he obeyed God's directive. Even before he saw, saw a single cloud or felt a single drop of rain that would bring that flood. Faith obeys because it knows the promises of God are true and that grace is certain and comforting. Have uh, you ever experienced uh, doing something that you've maybe never done before? Uh, maybe going someplace you've never been before? Doing things that other people haven't done. And you maybe feel a little uncomfortable, uncertain, right? But you're following the directions, you're listening to the voice on the machine telling you where to turn and all of that. And when you get there or when you finish the project and it all turns out well, you're thinking, whew, that was good, it was good. Faith knows and feels that all the time because it trusts the promises of God, which are sure and certain. And it's not some aimless following. Faith trusts that there's a purpose. God has a purpose for those directives. Noah built that ark, and through it he was condemning the world around him. He was sending them a message. But building an ark also had another purpose, and that was to save Noah and his family. And the ark had even another purpose, to save you and me. Because that flood was meant to destroy sin, to keep Noah and his family safe, so that that promise that God had made, that he would send a savior for the world, would be carried out. And that included you and me. God had a purpose for that directive, to build that ark. It was related to salvation. Every command of God always finds its purpose in his salvation for us. Now, sometimes God calls us to do things that are hard, that are challenging things that maybe we're not comfortable doing or we haven't seen done before. But faith understands there's a purpose behind it, and faith will trust where God leads. And so when God has made his directives, his commands clear, and when he has shown us the direction in which to go, faith follows. Let me say that again. When God makes the directive or the direction clear, faith follows. Because faith trusts there's a purpose. That, that purpose may be for me, to bless me some way. Or it might be to keep me safe. 
that purpose might be for somebody else. Or maybe it's for both. Now our congregation is going through some changes. You heard that in, in the video connection with changes in our staff. Uh, no changes that we're going to stop doing things that we're doing. Everybody's going to have their needs and programs taken care of. But the Lord is sending us in a new direction too, we believe, with reaching out to some other cultures. And, and that's, that's a new step for us and maybe a bit of uncertainty and uncomfortableness with it. But when God has made the directive clear what we are to do as a congregation, and when he has opened up the direction for us, then faith follows. You've seen that, no doubt, in your own life and the lives of your family. When God makes his directive and direction clear, faith follows and is blessed. And so all those uncertainties and the doubts and maybe fears that we'll have, they'll all be silenced and replaced with comfort. Comfort that comes knowing God loves us and guides us. Do I prove for that? Of course I do. The proof is that we will experience and have experienced God's deliverance. Noah did. Noah experienced it purely by grace. It wasn't because Noah obeyed. It wasn't because Noah was better than everybody else. He was saved by grace. And that's you and me too. We're saved by grace. Grace is God's love. Love that has no conditions attached to it. No end to it. No, nothing that you have to qualify to meet. Nothing you have to do to earn it. It's just given abundantly as a gift. And the proof of that is in Jesus, in Christ alone. We heard that before. God so loved the world. He loved the world so much. He loved the world in this way that he sent his own son into the world to save it. God himself came into our life to take our place. To, to live under all of those laws that we keep breaking, to do it perfectly. Then he takes upon himself our guilt for breaking those laws and the punishment that we deserve so that we will never experience the wrath and destruction of God. Never. He rises from the dead to assure us it's over and we too will live like him. We live in that grace. How comforting that is to know that all of those times when I've tried to be patient but then I lose it, it's forgiven. For all those unkind thoughts I had about other people or bad words that I've spoken or unkind things that I have done, it's all washed away by the blood of Jesus. And all those things that God wanted me to do that I didn't do because I just didn't want to do it or I was ignorant to do it, Jesus has done it for me. And God says, now that's yours. By faith in him. That's grace. That's comfort. And that's what God wants each of us to have with another flood. A flood he calls baptism. Peter taught us about that. He said, in it, that is in the ark, a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, in other words, just the outward cleaning of dirt, but it's the pledge of a good conscience, a pledge that God gives us of a good conscience toward him. 
It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that he has gone into heaven, he is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. We have God's grace. It's been flooded over us in baptism. And now we can live with the certainty of God's grace and love now and into eternity. That passage that was just on the screen talked about how Jesus rules over all things for us now. The troubles, the hardships we go through, God's got it under control. Don't worry. And he's going to lead us through all of that to enjoy the bliss of life and his kingdom in heaven. He even gave that assurance to Noah. When Noah got off the, altar, uh, off the ark, he built an altar to the Lord, and then he took, some of, uh, he took all of the clean animals and clean birds and sacrificed burnt offerings on it. That is, he burned them all up completely. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God promises to protect us through this life and then take us into eternity. And what do I want to do? Like Noah, I want to build an altar to the Lord. My reason is because my hope and comfort is secure in Christ. The scriptures use the picture of an anchor for hope and faith. Just as an anchor is going to hold a ship secure despite the storm and the winds, so our faith and hope in Christ holds us sure in salvation. And like Noah, I want to build an altar to thank God. That's what those burnt offerings were all about. Noah was now saying, my life, Lord, is totally dedicated to you. And that's what Peter urges us to do then. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That is comfort. So, I don't know what the new movie about Noah is going to be like, but I do know what the scriptures say. Like Noah, we have a life of comfort. It's simply a heart that's filled with faith in God and a life filled with joy as we serve him. Amen.